RoadBikeRider.com radio. We're going the distance with Coach John Hughes. Going to talk about peaking today, huh, John? Indeed we are, George. So now you're doing Race Across the West, which starts in a little over two weeks. Um, You're doing two-man relay. And I've got another client, Jan Kramer, who is doing solo uh, Race Across the West. So it'll be good to talk about peaking both for a relay rider and for a solo rider. And what we have to say about Jan applies to almost anybody doing a solo event, you know, like a long brevet, 1200K, double century, et cetera, et cetera. Same principles. So, George, first of all, remind me, I haven't looked at Jan's course recently, how long is it and how much climbing? 920 miles this year. And it's 40, 50,000 feet We're of right climbing? around 50,000 feet. Yep. And and the 50,000, I mean, it's spread out pretty evenly through the whole course, isn't it? It is. Uh, you start with Palomar, drop down to the desert, flat rolling, and then when you get into Arizona, there's a long gradual climb, and then you've got your just climb after climb after climb really until the finish. So it's actually a little flatter in the first part going through the desert, and then you climb good old Yarnell grade. I remember that from Ram, and then it's climb, climb, climb. So Yarn- what? Do- mm-hmm. Yarnell, then you climb into Prescott because you drop off of Yarnell. Then you climb Mingus. Right. Uh, and then there's a long climb into, oh, after Sedona. Uh, and then you've got Monument Valley, which is, you know, huge can't call them rollers, but they're not mountain climbs either. But then you end with uh, three climbs between Cortez and Durango. The last one being what they call Hesperus Hill, that which would is be over 8,000 feet. <laughs> Why they call it a hill, I don't know. Because it's only three miles long. <laughs> but from there, you can you can basically coast to the finish line if you want. So, so what kind of training have you been doing the last three, four, six months, George? Uh, well, I've just really been skiing uh, over the last six months. Up until April, I did Pack Tour Century Week in March without any previous training going into it. Uh, and then in April, um, I've really been focusing on rehabbing injuries from last year and balancing my legs out. And um, I've really been focusing a lot on race simulation. And um, I've done one or two long rides, but most is short and intense. George is an example of what I call a mature athlete, meaning he's been riding for decades. He's a little younger than I am, but almost as many years as I have. So he's got a built-in base that goes back uh, to the 70s, 80s at least. And he needs to build his base some over the winter and early spring, but he's only done a couple of long rides. And then since he's doing a relay race, he's really been doing intensity. Now, Jan Kramer, since he's doing solo, has done progressively longer and longer rides. 12-hour, 15-hour, 18-hour. Every other week, I'm giving him a 24-hour ride, but he's kind of an overachiever, so he pushed both of them over 30 hours. And he's on his final 24-hour ride as we speak. He started at 3 a.m. this morning, Puerto Rico time. So talk about your intensity training that you've been doing, George. Uh, I love your hill intervals. Uh, totally into perceive, perceived exertion. So I'm out on a 9 to 12% grade doing uh, either 5 by 5 minutes with a minute in between. 
five by seven minutes with, well, it takes me a little longer to coast down, so about a minute and a half in between. And I was looking at doing five by 10, but thought that I better talk to you first because uh, as the season has developed and my left leg has gotten stronger, I'm I'm climbing better than I did in 2014 when I thought I was in much better shape. And and how hard are you riding on the intervals? Uh, just below my max, I push right up to where I'm like, okay, this is my max intensity. Then I back off and I go with your. I could answer you with one word, but can't whistle. Okay, it's what I call the sweet spot, which is the optimal place to build power. So if you've built up to uh, Five by seven, five by eight, you were saying? Yep. Five by 10 might be pushing it a little, but you could do three by 10. Okay. That That is, as the intervals get longer, reduce the reps. Or you could do five by five, but go up to your max and don't back off. Your choice. I'd rather do three by 10. <laughs> I, I, I would too. <laughs> I really hate blowing up on old stage. <laughs> George does these on the south side of old stage, which is which is really steep and having nothing better to do on Monday. I went out to the north side of old stage and did a VO2 max test, the first one of the season, and rode absolutely as hard as I could for five minutes. That was ugly. That was not fun. Oh, that sounds awful. Yeah, I was thinking 10 minutes with Lee Hill, which is 16% in that one area, and then drop down south side of old stage down lee hill south side old stage and then go over and come up north side of old stage and coast home that's good yeah that'd be a good workout kind of variety it's kind of what i call fartlek which means building in some random randomness not doing exactly timed intervals but still getting in a darn good workout and i wanted to throw in i really like the ride to horse tooth because it's so intense and then you've got to ride home (laughs) <laughs> and uh, but I only I, I like having the long rides only because I've got to be ready if my teammate goes down. Tis true. Now, if it's 900 plus miles, you're going to be riding 450 miles in round numbers, assuming your teammate doesn't go down. So and, and it's all relay. So you don't need a huge endurance base. Now, Jan is riding. uh 900 plus miles solo. He he did Paris Brest Paris last year, did it quite well. So I'm pretty convinced that he's got the endurance. And interestingly enough, he's also been doing speed work the last few months. And he's a doctor. And like many doctors, he likes numbers and precision. That's good. I want my doctor to like that too. So he's been doing them by power and time duration, different from what you're doing. Uh, still training for power, but doing it by perceived exertion. Now, Horsetooth, I actually rode that first with John Lee Ellis before it was paved. That was kind of hard. How long does it take you to get to the base of Horsetooth? Uh, You know, I drove out to 66 because I didn't have enough time. It was five hours for 80 miles. I was not going at race pace. My big effort was through Horsetooth, and then I came back at more of an easier tempo pace. Uh, It took me... About an hour 45 to get to Horsetooth. And do you start in North End or South End? Um, south End. Okay. And then I ride all the way through the hills and turn around right at the bottom of the last one so I don't get any uh, momentum going back into it. 
That's what I like about George. If suffering's good, more suffering's better, right? Exactly. I, I actually think that that's a great workout for you because you're going to arrive at the start a little fatigued. Correct. Not a lot fatigued, but you're not totally fresh, which means, A, you're working your muscles a little harder. As you get fatigued, you start to recruit more fast-twitch muscles, and you're recruiting even more because you're fatigued, and it's great mental discipline. You're going to do, I think it's three hills, and then you're going to do three more coming back. So good for you. That's uh Mental is so huge for my training, and I really got that from you because uh, I, you know, way back when when we did not train by miles, we trained by hours, and you really got us on time off the bike and punishing yourself if you took too much time off the bike. So I try to bring that attitude to all of my training. <laughs> well, that's right. I, I mean, I, Jan reports every time that he that he reports in on Monday how long he rode, how fast he rode, and how much time he was off the bike. And he's keeping it down around an hour or under for 24. Now, he does have crew with him, which makes it better. But still, he's mastered the art of staying on the bike. So here we are, peaking phase. For Jan, it's three 24-hour rides or 24-hour plus. For you, George, you've really been doing what I call simulation rides, which is going out and simulating what it'll be like to race two-man rams. So talk a little about those. So uh, a week ago, I went to Oregon and used the Race Across Oregon course with a two-woman team who's doing RAO. And uh, we just did 15 minutes on, 15 off. Then we went to 30s and played around with it. Um, On the climbs, we were thinking we'd go further, but they really wanted me to get in some good raw training. And I think my longest pull was upwards of an hour. But... uh, you know, I think my max time off the bike was around two hours, and we threw that in because I needed to eat and get some calories and see if I could doze a little bit. I really wanted it to feel like a race, and it uh, felt good. Well, and it sounds like it does because you're going to be doing 15-minute pulls with your teammate, I'm guessing, across the desert to Correct. stay kind of cool, and then half-hour pulls for a while. And at some point, each of you is going to get a two-hour, quote-unquote, sleep break while the other guy pulls, right? And that will come the second night. We really, it's important to me to keep that short rotation going through the f- the first 24 hours. And the race starts at noon. Correct. So you really want to keep it going for close Actually, to 36 hours. Correct. It's going to yeah. be 36 hours. Yeah. And the simulation rides, the idea is to test everything you can. Now, you've done two-man raw how many years, George? Uh, four. Uh, no, two man. I've done three, and I did four person last year. And you've also done two person ram. Yep. You and Terry did two person ram. Mm-hmm. So, you've got a lot of experience, and you've got your bike and all your equipment dialed in, right? Yes, I do. From past rides, and I'm using the same ones that I've used uh, since 2014. Okay, and you've got your your nutrition dialed in? I think so. You got your clothing dialed in? Definitely. So George doesn't need test stuff so much on his simulation rides because he's got everything perfected over past years. What you want to do through peaking is, first of all, simulate as much as you can what the race is going to be like, and secondly, test everything. Because if you go into the race with something untested, it just might well bite you in the butt. And George knows my story of the black saddle pad that I 
raced clear through Monument Valley in the heat, so forth and so on, and it burned my butt since I had not thoroughly tested it under desert conditions. So part of what Jan is doing in Puerto Rico is he's testing his nutrition. Does liquid nutrition work? No, turns out he likes sandwiches and cookies better. They're the same in terms of riding, and as long as he's happy in riding, that's great. He's testing his bikes. He's working with his crew, a big part of racing. And again, George has probably got this dialed in, is getting your crew really experienced so they know how to do feeds, so that when you stop, they know exactly what to do, et cetera, et cetera. Now, Jan sent me an email, and he says, for my last 24-hour ride, should I try to go as fast as I can? And I said, first of all, Jan, I want you to find something with about as much climbing per mile on average as for what will probably be the first 24 hours or so of RAW, sort of Congress. And then I want you to ride that at a pace that you're going to ride race across the West for the first 24 hours, across the desert. And it's going to seem really slow. I'm just writing an email to to one of his crew. The, the goal is to get to uh, Blythe feeling fine and then get to Congress, having ridden all night, still feeling pretty good. Something like a third of the riders drop out by the time they get to Blythe because they can't survive the desert. So this is an example of testing and learning his pace, learning to hold himself back. Now, because he's done Paris Brest Paris, he's already figured out a lot of of what he needs to, to test. But again, part of peaking is doing the simulation rides, making them as event-like as possible, and then testing everything. Last year, Terry was training for Paris Brest Paris, and several of the simulation rides I suggested were start at night and ride all night. And that's it, because she's going to start at night, just get used to it. Uh, another one that I really like is the imagination ride. So for a 1200K, go out and ride 300K. And every 10K, imagine that you've gone 40K. Where would you be on your event? What would it feel like? Et cetera, et cetera. So a lot of ways to, to mix it up. During the peaking phase, you don't need to do the same volume. You've built enough endurance to do the ride. You need to really work on the specificity. You know, in the uh, I just did an 18-hour training ride uh, this past week. And that to me, almost as much as physical is mental because I didn't have the other people there. I didn't have a crew. It was on the trainer because I didn't feel comfortable out in some areas at night, a lot of wildlife, a lot of gravel on my route. And, uh, so I was forcing myself to go 40 minutes to an hour on the trainer. And then I would just sit in an easy chair after I ate and, you know, pretend I was in a car and stayed on a very tight schedule with that. And uh, this is the first year I felt amazing when I came out in the morning and then I came to the studio and worked. And then when I rode home, I just, my legs felt fresh until I got to old stage. (laughs) (laughs) Which which is like five or six miles from George's house. But I I mean, that's a perfect ride and a lot of it is mental. And I'm sure that when you were sitting in the car, you're eating and drinking. Yes. You were practicing so I would always recovery. get food, and then I would sit in an easy chair and right by the trainer and just not move. Yeah, exactly. Good simulation. Uh, now, you've got a strategy, you and your teammate, for this. 
basic idea of how you're going to approach it, or are you just going to go out there and ride 15 minutes each for a while until you get bored and then do 30 minutes each? No, we, st- we have it broken up pretty well. I mean, I've done it so many times. I know there are sections of the course that I really ride well for me, and um, we have sections where he think we think he'll do much better than I would. Okay. Do you mind sharing with us uh, a little more about where you're going to do the 15-minute pulls? Where oh, definitely to... through the heat. I mean, yeah. that is totally weather-dependent. Right. And PJ's even said, but I'm good in the heat. And I'm like, well, I want you good on day two. <laughs> I don't want to burn you up in the desert. And and so then you know the course well enough that by the climbs, he'll be he'll be doing a little more of the climbing, and you'll be taking pulls so that he can recover. And be Correct. There. Got it. Because another important part of any uh, long event is having a strategy. And people think, hey, I'm doing a 600K tomorrow. I don't need a strategy. Well, you need to think about it. Yeah, you, you do. You, you, <laughs> need, you need to have a plan. Uh, when, when I started riding back in the 70s, the big event was the Davis Double Century. And we would go out for dinner the night before, and I would have the cue sheet. And I would write down my expected time to get to each of the rest stops. And I kind of bracketed. If I'm riding well, I'll get here now. If I'm riding not so well, I'll get here now. And I go clear around the 200 miles. And, and that was all I needed for a strategy, but at least I had a plan. And early in these, in my times doing it, I would realize about where I was going to need my lights. And then as I got better, as my strategy got better, I'd realize where I wouldn't need lights. And then I refined my strategy. They always served lunch at Lower Lake great big very tasty lunch sandwiches and so on and then you had to go climb resurrection it's called resurrection because hopefully you resurrect at the top and you can finish that's the last climb but doing that after a big lunch that didn't make any sense so i would carry my sandwich up there so the point is even for double centuries shorter events you need some sort of strategy the 600k tomorrow rides up seven through allen's park up to meeker park and then back down Big climb early in the ride, so the strategy should be pace yourself on that so that when you come back down and you ride north to Windsor and you head back down into the probable wind along the freeway, you've still got legs. So that's another important part of peaking is the strategy. Now, how long did I say it was till uh, the start? Two and a half weeks, is that right? It's June 14th, and today is the 27th of May. So two weeks from this coming Tuesday. Yep. And the question is, what should you do between now and then? Well, mm. for you, for Jan, for anybody that close to an event, if you haven't built the endurance, it's too late to do anything about it. Trying to build it now will just make you more tired. The main thing you need to do during the, during the taper is recover so that you're fresh while maintaining as much fitness as you can because... When you stop riding hard, you are going to lose a little fitness for sure. In your case, riding up to horse tooth and back around, you know, I, I wouldn't do that, George. You wouldn't? Okay. No. That's why that, I didn't that, do it. I that, wanted to ask you first. More, more volume than you need. Um, I do have an eight-man simulation where I'm filling in for an eight-man team that's doing RAM. They're doing 240 miles, and I thought, that's 30 miles. Why not go out and do a little bit more of that. Sure. Would that, that be okay? That, that, that's okay. Since you like horse tooth and you've got a car, drive closer. Ah, okay. Give yourself half an hour, an hour to warm up. Even better, drive to the base of the first hill. No warm up. And go for it. 
because hard. I'm yeah, hard. Yeah. On, okay. on race across the West, you're not going to get to warm up for half an hour before each pull. Right. It's going to be out of the van and go do it. Because what you what you lose faster is your ability to go hard. Your endurance will stay there. So that's why Jan, this is his last big, long ride. He'll do uh, maybe a century next weekend, certainly not more. But he's going to keep doing his sweet spot intervals, I tell you that. And then the Saturday before the race, eh, 35, 40 miles, that's plenty. But that week intervening, he'll still be doing his intensity. So same thing for you, George. You want to keep up the intensity, but taper it down. So how long does base of horse tooth up? Other end, back to base of horse tooth. How long does that take around? Going all out, that would be maybe an hour to an hour and a half. Okay. So so that's a really good thing to be doing early in the week, early next week. If okay. you want, you could drive back up there and do it again, or you could do something um, around old stage Lee Hill, but more like an hour. If you go to horse tooth, do the first hill, do the second hill, and turn around. Okay. So bring it down to about an hour later in the week. Uh, Lee Hill is steep enough to give me the mental, I just like being on terrain that's harder than I'm going to be racing on. The reason Lee Hill isn't so hard for me is I keep thinking I'm going so slowly, if I try to stop, I'm going to fall over. (laughs) Which is not like George. George is going so fast that he's thinking, I wish this were longer. Right, George? Absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) I just try to maintain a cadence. Right. So the idea is... Keep doing the intensity, but reduce the volume over the next couple of weeks. And the last seven days before raw, do maybe an hour of 15 on, 15 off, 15 on, 15 off. It's only two hard pulls. Okay. And then do it again, two hard pulls. And otherwise, do a couple of active recovery rides just to keep fresh. And Jan will be doing something similar, although his intensity isn't as hard. You're you're going up just as hard as you can and then backing it off a little. And he's doing his uh, about one level below. But that's what the taper is all about. Uh, we're going to do an interview with my old swim coach and friend Robin Saltonstall in a few weeks. And she always said the taper is about storing energy. And I think that's a great way to think about it. Because you want to get to Oceanside with a full tank of gas. And, you know, I think in 2014, I did an okay job of that. But then we stayed at a motel that was away from the start. There were some big climbs, not big climbs, but some steep hills going back and forth. And uh, we rode the first part of the course. And I think we burned up some of that energy, which part, was not good. Part of what's really hard about the taper is everybody, when I was racing, me too, wants to do more, wants to go harder. I'm all ready to race. Let's go, even though it's two weeks before. So just restraining yourself is important. Now I want to go back to one other example of your taper, which was wildly successful. We were doing Pacific Crest Tour, my tour back... 97. 97, okay, that was the one. That was the one that had the green T-shirt, I hate working, let's ride, or something to that that effect. Yeah. And we started down in California, and we were heading north, uh, rode up to Mineral, I think is the little town on the south side of Mount Lassen, and then through Lassen Park, and we were going up to Ashland. And George had been hammering the first couple of days, and 
George took off, and I didn't see him going up last. And I thought, where's George? And he wasn't at lunch. And I had lunch. I was driving the baggage van that day. And about 10 miles down the road, I saw George just standing there with his bike. And I said, George, are you okay? And he says, yeah, I'm done training. I'm fit. It's time to taper. And the last day or two you were on the tour, of course, everybody called you Sag Boy. Yep. But what resulted from that taper? I won the Midnight Sun with almost a record time at 600K in 19 hours and 15 minutes. That's smoking. <laughs> and that's Anchorage Fairbanks, right? Yep. Good job. And I remember that day, so I just felt amazing. And I remember think I started getting scared. I was like, whoa, wait a minute. I'm riding so just fast today because I feel so good. I need to stop. That's a really good way to think about it is I'm riding so well, I'm a little scared about overdoing it. Which is how I felt uh, at the end of the 18-hour ride this week. It just, I... I mean, I don't want to sound braggy. I just felt great. There was no fatigue in my legs, and I just thought, you got to back off. So you've peaked perfectly, George. But have I? Is it too soon? No, two and a half weeks to go. That's perfect. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you, you can push the intensity a little more next week and then taper more the following week. But for somebody doing something that arduous, I think a two-hour, uh, two-hour, yeah, right, a two-week taper is pretty good. Okay. Uh as I always say, better to do less if in doubt. Just don't pack on too many more pounds. I've really been uh, good on my eating this year as well. I haven't been uh, starving myself, and I just feel good. But you're still looking trim, so that's great. Anything else you want to ask about uh, peaking or tapering? Um, I think we're pretty much there. I. I mean, you're right. How how easy is too easy? <laughs> and where can we get some more information about it? I've written a couple articles. wrote them last year, and they're right on the, the top of my website on how to have your best season ever. And the first article talks about what George and I were talking about at the beginning, what I worked with Jan on, which is how to plan out your year from whenever your year starts, December, January, up until you're ready to peak. So the first, in George's case, up until uh, April, basically. And then the second article is all about how to peak for your event and taper. So it's called How to Have Your Best Season Ever on my website, www.coach-hughes.com. And it will also be on the Road Bike Rider website. And this has been RoadBikeRider.com Radio, going the distance with Coach John Hughes. John, always a pleasure. Thanks very much.